Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 87, we discuss being sports knocking on heaven's door, details about NBC Sports taking the Premier League on the road around the US, our thoughts on the opening weekend of Bundesliga TV action, follow-up impressions of TNT's Champions League coverage, and we have a bunch of letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya, from Florida to India to London and back. Uh, welcome back, Kartik. We missed you last week's uh, on last week's episode. The question I have for you, Kartik, is uh, any, any feedback or any uh, discussions overseas about uh, what's going on with American soccer or a- any impressions from... Uh, those you met overseas about uh, how, how soccer in the U.S. is going. Yeah, India in particular was it was an interesting conversation because they're having similar problems with uh, a a league that's a closed league competing with um, a league that's uh, an established league that's a, a more open league. And oddly enough, in India, it seems like FIFA wants to enforce their statutes in a way that they're not willing to do in the United States. Uh, so there's a precedent being set in India, and uh, people in India were shocked when I told them um, that as part of the, uh, uh, th- that there was no quid pro quo for the U.S. being awarded hosting rights for the 2026 World Cup. They had assumed uh, that meant that Major League Soccer would have to open up, uh, that MLS was going to have a second and third division. They don't know the, 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 the entire picture with USL, uh, uh, NPSL, NASL. These acronyms don't mean anything in India, but they, knew, they know MLS the soccer people there and were a little bit shocked and felt like maybe FIFA's picking on them uh, instead of picking on the United States. And and the same could be said for Australia. Um, In the UK, I think the conversation that I had with people about uh, American football, American soccer revolved around the Columbus crew entirely. And wow. Yeah. And the, the shock about that relocation, because what, um, British fans or British analysts who covered Major League Soccer had been led to believe was that, yes, there had been relocations early in MLS's uh, and contractions of clubs early in MLS's um, existence because they were trying to stabilize the league, but that um, it was Major League Soccer was distinctly different because it was a football league and and had clubs and and, uh, clubs that have development academies that have uh, women's teams in some cases that have youth teams, uh, have teams playing in sec- the second division or the third division in many cases. Uh, and Columbus has a great development academy. The assumption in the UK was they were being built out just like uh, British or English football clubs, even though they were in a closed league system. And uh, that you wouldn't be able to uproot a club because there would be an academy attached to a club. There would be a women's team attached to a club. There would be all of this, which... I must say, quite frankly, Chris, was my assumption a year ago also. As much as I dislike MLS's business structure, mm-hmm. I thought that, well, you have clubs investing locally in developing players and in, in women's game and B teams and all of this stuff. That means you have to meet, move like four or five things if you relocate. So no club will relocate. 
Uh, Columbus has a great DA, as I mentioned, uh, but uh, it hasn't stopped uh, anyone. And I think there is a, a fear again in Europe about, um, about this La Liga thing. That was the other thing I picked up in the UK about La Liga playing games in the US. Uh, people don't seem to be terribly amused by it. Um, and I'm sure we'll discuss that more in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's interesting. And actually, it's interesting uh, to hear about the Columbus crew, about that being a big story in the UK. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think it would get uh, outside of these, uh, these boundaries in terms of, of a news story. But, uh, I mean, all, over, all the way around the United States, it's uh, one of the top stories. Uh, whether you're into MLS or not, um, you probably have an opinion about it. But um, I'm, I'm, that's in- interesting to hear that it's... Uh, it's branching overseas in terms of being a topic of discussion. And, and I'm sure it's going to be a topic of discussion for the next uh, few months, to say the least. So, Kartik, I, I know you've been traveling, traveling a lot. So um, you missed uh, a lot of the action that we saw on U.S. television. Um, but what, have you, what, what did you catch this past week? And, and uh, any highlights, any, any observations that, uh, that stand out for you? Yeah, I'm really disappointed. I've missed the first two weeks of Serie A on ESPN and, and I've heard uh, pretty good things about the, the team of Mark Donaldson, who thank you for uh, sitting in for me last week uh, to Mark, uh, uh, the, the team of Mark Donaldson and Matteo Benetti that they've already kind of clicked and there's a lot of good chemistry, uh, which just reinforces how good ESPN is at, at, at um, broadcasting these sort of matches. I'll see my first Serie A broadcast on Sunday. They've got a match on ESPN News uh, the Napoli match, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then I assume that'll be Donaldson and, and Benetti as well. Uh, so I've missed that. Uh, the Premier League, I missed the entire weekend. I did watch Monday, and I have to say I was a little disappointed NBC in their post-match show um, of Spurs and Manchester United. I, I was pleased that even though it was a Monday game, because it was two of the top three from last season, they sent, um, they sent Arlo White uh, to call the match. I was disappointed by the post-match show. There wasn't the level of analysis I thought there'd be. It was a half an hour show packed with commercials, and they got out of there quickly. And um, that, to me, was very surprising because generally in these sorts of big matches, uh, they do such a knock-up job post-game. And because it was a Monday, for whatever reason, it was really kind of a a substandard post-game show by NBC standards. Um, I, I, w- I would say, though, Kartik, though, too, that, uh, again, we don't share our notes about what you've watched and what I've watched and, and my thoughts and things, and, and vice versa, your thoughts. But the, the Man United Spurs game post-match, the thing that kept on c- uh, coming to my mind was I feel sorry for the Spurs fans because like 90, yeah. 95% of the, the, the conversation was about uh, United and what the defensive mistakes and mostly about Mourinho. And I understand Mourinho at this point in time is the big story. But, but, I mean, fair play to Spurs. I mean, what a fantastic performance in that second half. And um, there was very, very little discussion about Spurs, even with Rebecca Lowe saying, hey, don't worry about it. Wait, wait a minute, Spurs fans, we'll get to you in a minute. I, I don't think they ever did. No, they didn't. And uh, I, I, I'm really kind of perplexed by the disrespect for Tottenham in general in the media, uh, uh, most, more in the U.S. than in the U.K. But U.K., I, see it. I saw it too when I was there. Um, they're just not considered... Uh, a club at the level of the other, quote, big six clubs. Yet Spurs are the only club in England that have finished in the top three each of the last uh, three seasons. And this this stat will blow your mind. They have finished ahead of Liverpool in the table eight of the last nine seasons, including last year. So um, I think there's just a – because it's Spurs and, and we like to make jokes about things being Spursy and they never win anything, I think it now has infected media coverage. Uh, and ESPN FC – Similar, uh, they did talk about Spurs a little bit, but again, it was um, 80% Man United, what Mourinho is doing wrong and um, fiddling with his team and, and, and his narcissistic rants after the match and his behavior, and very little about Pochettino making clear changes at halftime to change the trajectory of that match. And also, uh, for me, and I, you know, I get a lot of things wrong. I, I don't pretend like I get everything right, but before the season, when the transfer window closed and Spurs didn't make a sign. And Chris, you might remember, I, I tweeted out, well, they got Lucas Mora in January. I know how good he was at PSG before um, uh, things went downhill for him there. It's a new signing for me. I think yeah. he'll come good now that he's settled in England. And he's come good. Absolutely. And he really came good in that game. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, what a performance. Well, I will say that actually pre-match, I did enjoy the coverage from NBC where they had uh, Mark Clattenburg on. And uh, there was a segment where they, they talked about, uh, they asked Mark, 
tell us, give us some insight about uh, Jose Mourinho. What is he really like in person? What's he like behind the scenes when he's having kind of one-on-one discussions? And that was enlightening to see and, and hear the things that Mark had said. Uh, that's something you don't get anywhere yeah. else, really. And, and that I did enjoy. Yeah. And then, um, so I was disappointed in that. I, I understand that um, Man United's a story and American Man United fans are are uh, hitting the panic button after three matches. Uh, and look, but this is, I, I have to say this, there has been a consistent uh, critique of Pochettino through the last few years that Spurs cannot win these big matches away from home against the other top sides. Uh, they did beat Man City uh, away from home a few years ago, or, 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 or drew them um, and got a point, but that they can't, they can't go to uh, uh, Man United. Uh, he had lost four straight there. Uh, they, they can't go to Chelsea until uh, late last season, but then people are saying, well, Chelsea was collapsing anyway under Conte, last days of the Conte regime. Uh, they can't go to, they can't get uh, 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 three points at the Emirates, even though they're clearly have been better than Arsenal now for a few seasons. So this was really a noteworthy result. They didn't just get a one nil or a two one. They got a three nil. Uh, yes, the first half, Man United were slightly better, slightly the better team. I don't buy Mourinho's analysis that they should have been up three uh, nil. But the second half, Pochettino uh, got uh, a tactical change and, and the tactical variation between three and four man back lines. Um, and, and midfield setups for, for Spurs, whether they play with someone wide or whether they just pack everybody in the center of midfield, is also interesting. And no analysis of that. And I feel like every time – I'm sounding like a Spurs fan this morning, but I, I feel genuinely <laughs> aggrieved because this also applies to ESPN, um, not just NBC. Every time Spurs fails in an FA Cup semifinals or they, they lose a match at Manchester City or they lose a match – at uh, at Arsenal, we hear about well, they can't get over the hump. Uh, they're Spursy. Uh, they just don't have enough. They have a wage uh, a cap. Uh, Pochettino, maybe he's not an elite manager. We hear all this analysis when they actually do win three nil at Old Trafford, worst defeat uh, at home uh, for a Jose Mourinho team in his managerial history. We don't get any of the flip analysis. So I I am a little bit disappointed by that, and I would urge. Um, people who listen to this podcast who are, who are in the media to, to think about that, that maybe the coverage of Spurs, we just, because it's Spurs, we have a stereotype and we, we, we react based on that stereotype. On the other hand, though, Kartik, uh, NBC knows that Man United uh, drives ratings. And in previous seasons, when uh, I think it was under uh, uh, Van Hal, when United was doing really, really poorly, actually, maybe the Moyes season, uh, ratings dived on, on NBC yeah. Sports yeah, as a result. And, and that's the thing, though, too, just for our listeners, is this Sunday, uh, the game that was scheduled to be on NBCSN, which is Watford against Spurs, has been bumped to NBC Sports Gold. Reason being is that Man United against Burnley has been switched to Sunday because Burnley's playing in the uh, the Europa League. And uh, as a result, that game now, the Burnley-Man United is on uh, NBCSN. So that, that that's the thing is, is NBC knows that United drives ratings and uh, the vast majority of fans listening or watching that Spurs-United uh, game were United fans. So, so, so that's part of it too. At the end of the day, it, it comes down yeah. to business, which is, which is a shame. It should be more about merits on the pitch. Now, Kartik, what about um, TNT? So, I, I know that um, the last couple of uh, podcasts we've been talking about TNT's uh, UEFA Champions League broadcasts and our first impressions. Uh, did you get a chance? Because I know you've been away. So, did you get a chance to watch TNT? And, and if so, what, what did you think so far? Yeah, I made it a priority this week, actually, to, to, to record everything on TNT, even while I was at the office and come home and watch it. Uh, it I, I'm disappointed, genuinely, that I forgot to do that. Uh, this is the thing about the Champions League uh, and the Super Cup starting so soon that I went away and I forgot to set that stuff on my DVR. Whereas I had set every NBC Premier League program to, to, to um, DVR, so I have a ton of stuff that from the previous two weeks on NBC I still need to get to. Um so uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag. So I, I think the presentation is a little clunky with Steve Nash and Stu Holden in L.A. and Kate Abdo and whoever is flanking her in Atlanta. I think that's a little bit awkward. Um, I don't like the fact that they dress down and try and be really hip and be really like Fox. And the, the, the presentation to me, um, it's not quite as – the production isn't quite as annoying as Fox, but it's it's certainly not ESPN or NBC levels. That having been said, actually listening to the analysis on 
uh, Tuesday and Wednesday from Holden and Nash in particular, but also from Charlie Davies. He was in on Tuesday. Yesterday it was Tim Howard, and uh, we're taping this on Thursday, by the way. Yesterday it was uh, Tim Howard and, and Carlos Bocanegra. It's actually pretty good. I think that they're they're much better prepared. And, and again, we can look at um, at Holden and Abdo because they're also on Fox. They seem much better prepared on TNT mm-hmm. and much more prepared to actually talk about um, issues in European football rather than on uh, uh, Fox when everything was a discussion of, uh, of what happens uh, in the U.S. or in MLS. Now, the thing I would say regarding... Um, their pregame show, it's an hour, which is, uh, I thought, okay, we, we definitely need an hour. And I think we probably will when we get to the group stage because of the, 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 the level of games. Um, however, um, it seemed like a bit of overkill for, for, for yeah. playing games, essentially, for third-round matches, uh, which led them to end up talking about other things. On Tuesday, it was Jose Mourinho for uh, a long time, uh, which it's fine because I think that's what was on everyone's uh, mind. Uh, and NBC and ESPN, ESPN FC and NBC did do that well on, on Monday night. Talk about Jose. And then we got to a point on Tuesday where TNT was next on on, on deck. Uh, and uh, Holden and Nash decided to, uh, uh, to to really engage on Mourinho and on Manchester United. I mean, and they are in the Champions League, right? We don't know if Mourinho will still be their manager when they start the Champions League campaign. Right. Uh, Wednesday, it was Clint Dempsey. Uh, filling time, and I, I appreciate that they spent a lot of time uh, talking about Clint Dempsey's career at Fulham and uh, at Spurs. I, I, I fear uh, if it had been Fox that they would have talked about him in Seattle and New England and the U.S. national team exclusively. So um, I, you know, it's it's an awkward thing, Chris. I don't like the presentation. I don't really like the production. I don't like the studio. I don't like the split uh, the split studio either. But sitting and listening to the analysis, I think it was really good. I think it's a major upgrade over Fox. And after all, you know, for someone like me, I'm, I want to see good production. I want to see nice graphics and all of that. But I'm more interested in hearing analysis about soccer and pundits who inform me and can give me some insight into uh, European football since this is uh, the UEFA Champions League. And I think TNT has hit that in a way Fox hasn't. So uh, I'm on the whole pretty upbeat about it and, and have been impressed by Steve Nash. He knows his stuff. I don't know if he's uh, over-preparing because he's a, a basketball guy first, um, you know, one of the greatest NBA players of, of my generation, or if he just genuinely knows a lot about European football because we know he grew up in a soccer family and he's a fan, but he um, he knows his stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed by him thus far. My only concern is longevity. So we, we've had now probably like about two or three weeks, probably three, three weeks of uh, programming from the, the pre-match. I mean, I'm talking about the pre-match specifically. And we've had the banter, the back and forth, kind of Stuart Holden picking on Carlos Bocanegra. A lot of inside jokes, which I don't think is very funny, but it is what it is. But my, my concern is longevity, whether they'll be able to keep that up and keep it fresh um, so that three months from now, that uh, what are they going to talk about if they're not having banter? Or what are they going to talk about if, if there's no transfer rumors? Which that was the thing on Wednesday is that there is a lot of uh, filler. They had a, a segment on transfer rumors, most of which will probably not happen. A lot of guesswork, a lot of conjecture. To me, it was a complete waste of time, just complete, complete filler there. Um, they're, they're trying to be funny and entertaining to watch instead of Fox, who were trying to be knowledgeable. Um, overall, I've been impressed so far with, uh, with Turner. Uh, it's not perfect by any means. I, I still think it's a work in progress. I think the split studio is okay. Um, I mean, it looks like it's down to kind of logistics in terms of kind of having talent based in L.A. and then talent based in Atlanta. And rather than flying them back and forth across the country to be in one studio, uh, splitting them up so that, you mean, in terms of resources and keeping costs down. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, overall, it's been it's been a breath of fresh air, but it's not perfect. So maybe that's something they can work on, uh, but we'll have to wait and see once we get to the group stage and at that point how good it is or not. Charlie Davis, or Charlie Davies, as Americans say, uh, it's interesting too because he's going to be on some of the Bundesliga coverage for Fox. So I think he's going to be... Uh, uh, one of the student talent that's going to be there, I think, next month. So that'll be interesting to see how he does there, too. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. Um, overall, the talent's been pretty decent. All right, Kartik, uh, anything else that stood out for you uh, this past week? 
Chris, I also want to point out the TNT postgame show because I thought that was very good compared to what we used to have on Fox. Very good. Uh, it's the same it's the same crew. It's a lot of banter, but it's it's much more complete. It's much more analytical, and it's much more um, informative than Fox's shows were. Now, again, when we get to the group stage and there are more highlights to show and there's more uh, you have to cram into that half an hour, maybe we don't get the level of analysis. But uh, even with... Uh, uh, clubs like Red Star Belgrade and F, uh, and uh, Red Bull Salzburg and um, Benfica, et cetera, uh, oh, these last few days. We've gotten a really good dose of analysis, again, particularly from Holden and Nash post-match. Um, they understand what they're watching. They're able to break it down, and they're able to analyze it. That hasn't always been the case on Fox. And this goes back to um, – I'll leave on this point. Fox is um, – I mean, Fox – Fox has had all these issues, but I wonder if Stuart Holden, and he's really good as the uh, flanking John Strong. I think he's gotten better and better. I, I wonder if, if, if they may have made a mistake not putting him in the Champions League studio because he's giving a level of analysis uh, uh, pre and post game that you didn't get on that show at all. Once Eric Winalda uh, was, was uh, shown the door. Mm. So, uh, I just I wonder if they may maybe used him incorrectly. But then again, if they were going to do native announcers, um, you then take your best commentator out of the booth and put him in the studio. So maybe again, it's a, it's a Fox problem, and we should be happy they don't have the rights anymore. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I mean, to me, to me, Lalas would have been the one to uh, drop off the set and, and and put Holden in. But but Lalas has uh, seniority, and he's kind of the big star at Fox. So. Uh, I guess Fox couldn't really do that, but um, ah, yeah, yeah, definitely good thoughts there, Kartik. Um, in terms of what I watched this past week, the one highlight for me was uh, the match of the week for me was Napoli against uh, Milan. Uh, watched this on ESPN Plus with uh, Dave Farrar and Gar- Gary Bertels commentating. Uh, it- it's interesting watching this match because, uh, in terms of the stereotype about Italian defenses being so so rigid and so strong and so so gr- fantastic. Uh, the defense was all over the place on this one. So it ended up being a really entertaining 3-2 game and uh, lots of defensive errors. But Napoli uh, held out uh, uh, there for the, the, a good opening win for uh, a good, good opening home win for uh, Carlo Ancelotti. I did watch the uh, Bundesliga opening game of the season. Uh, this is interesting. I, I think we probably talked about this probably a year ago, but I, I forgot about it, where they have an opening ceremony before the, the game kicks off. And it feels really, it feels like it's uh, like the World Cup uh, kind of pre pre show or the UEFA Champions League pre show where they have, you mean, songs and dancing and stuff like that. But to me, that always feels really, really fake and uh, inauthentic. But uh, going into the match, uh, the on screen graphics with the team lineups for uh, Bayern against Hoffenheim, fantastic. They had used uh, augmented reality. Uh, so the players looked like they were on the pitch and uh, different angles. That was amazing. So hopefully we'll we'll see that uh, throughout the Bundesliga season. Overall, the game itself, oh God, what a nightmare for VAR. I mean, the first game of the season and the Bundesliga has had problems in the past with VAR, as has Major League Soccer and other leagues. Uh, the World Cup was you know, kind of a shining example of how to do it right, but not perfectly. Uh, but what a mess up in this one. You had uh, Ribéry diving. Uh, VAR didn't call it or d- didn't, uh, didn't uh, signal it to the referee uh, or didn't catch it. Whatever, whatever happened, we don't know. And uh, Bayern gets the penalty kick and goes on to, to win the game. But I felt a bit cheated in this game, really, because, I mean, it was one of those things that uh, it felt really, I don't know, very fluky for Bayern to win this one. They had the penalty they had one shot in, that went into the goal. It was a fluke. That was a complete uh, deflection. Uh, but overall, it just felt like in, inevitable that Bayern would win this game, uh, almost like Man United in previous years or decades, where you felt that uh, all the, all the chips were kind of uh, yeah. on their side and they were going to win this no matter what. But overall, a pretty decent game, and they had Russ Dyer and Ian Joy on the commentary on this one. And the TV ratings, Kartik, we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, we'll talk about Bundesliga TV ratings from the opening weekend. Last but not least, um, I saw This Is Football, which is uh, Joe Scarborough, uh, talking about Liverpool-Chelsea uh, from last season. Lots of interviews and discussion in the build-up to the game that, and that uh, was, I think, towards the end of this, this, uh, this uh, most recent season at Stamford Bridge. Uh, really, again, captured the culture and the passion of the supporters, 
uh, and did a really good, great job. I think I watched that on Sunday. So in addition to that, I watched a ton of soccer games, but those are the highlights for me. All right, guys, well, football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, uh, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I've been looking the last uh, week or so, looking at uh, concert tickets coming up in the South Florida area, and it's really easy to use, and you can just scroll through and find, find it within seconds. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. That's promo code WSTPOD for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news, and we've got uh, a big one to start off with. Yeah, uh, an unfortunate one to uh, to discuss, which is uh, the situation with BN Sports. Uh, they're in danger of being off cable systems completely. Uh, this week, I'm sure our listeners are all aware of this now, and a lot of you may have uh, been scrolling on your program guide on, on Monday or Tuesday and, and seen BN Sports disappear. That's what happened with me. I have, uh, I have DirecTV. Uh, but BN Sports is off of DirecTV and Uverse, another carriage dispute. Uh, once again, uh, BN Sports is finding itself uh, on the back foot, uh, trying to rally public opinion, particularly of soccer fans, uh, to, um, to its defense, uh, using social media, using um, uh, press release and, and, and the media. Uh, but, uh, Chris, it, it's, it, this, is a, this is now becoming a crisis. And I think it's a crisis for La Liga also because this is ha- coinciding, um, as I wrote about for another publication, not for World Soccer Talk this week. This is happening at the very same time as Serie A has found itself on ESPN. And... Um, you don't want to overreact and say Serie A is going to overtake uh, La Liga as the number two European league in, in the country. But um, if this isn't resolved quickly and, and either BN is back on these cable systems or uh, they somehow find a way to break the contract with BN, uh, La Liga does, it very well could happen uh, in, in the near future, which is a, mm-hmm. a terrible thing for the, the Spanish league that I think uh, anchored uh, BN's programming lineup and really benefited from BN's commitment to the league to elevate uh, the broadcast, the, the bumper programming. They've done such a good job presenting the league in a way Goal TV did not, the previous rights holder. But um, this is a crisis now. This is similar to what Goal TV went through yep. as they began to really uh, fall off the map in the U.S. market and lose rights to things. So the full list is uh, uh, BN Sports is no longer on Comcast Xfinity, uh, DirecTV, AT&T Uverse and DirecTV Now, which is the, the streaming service from, uh, from AT&T, from DirecTV. So you've got four major players where BN Sports uh, is not on. The likelihood of BN Sports going back on Comcast is practically zero. Um, after BN Sports filed a FCC complaint against Comcast in March, uh, which was dismissed. So I don't see Comcast and, and BN Sports making any type of resolution in the future. I think, that, I think that's over. Direct TV and, and Comcast is the number one cable subscriber, cable TV provider in, in the country. Um, Direct TV is the number one satellite provider in the country, and they're not on there. And then you've got the Uverse, which is even smaller. Direct TV now, which is one of the fastest growing streaming services out there. So it, it's it's Mayday situation really, and um, it's not looking good. I mean, if you're a subscriber to any of those four uh, providers and you want to watch La Liga. I would seriously consider making some changes, either going to another TV provider or going cutting the cord and going to a streaming solution because because um, it's in jeopardy. For La, La Liga, this is a huge blow. I mean, this is something that right as of right now, you you could say easily that Serie A is in more homes than um, than being sports is without DirecTV and without Comcast. Being sports, uh, we understand, is probably in less than ten million homes. ESPN, uh, even if it's one game a week, is in, what, 85 or, uh, or so, 85 million homes. 
So it, it's, it's a tragedy across the board. The one thing, Kartik, I, I would mention is that, um, and I, I love being sports. Uh, so I love watching the channel. I love the programming. I like the extra. I like the locker room. I like the talent that they have. They always get kind of a bad rap against them. But I'm, I'm honestly, s- sincerely a big fan of being sports. And I, I think they've done a great service to uh, the sport in this country. But their campaign on social media is, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is, is, is too late. And, and I, think, I don't think that being sports has a good relationship with soccer fans in the United States on social media. Uh, there isn't kind of, I'm not hearing a ton of people like, uh, complaining and saying like, ah, I love being sports. I can't believe that you're, you're taking it uh, off my cable or satellite service. Uh, yes, there are some people that are like that. But there's very much a love-hate relationship, I think, among soccer fans with being sports. And a lot of it goes back to U.S. men's national team games, the away games, those big games, the games against uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and them not being able to watch those games. So, and, and historically speaking, I don't think being sports has a really good relationship with its community, with the soccer fans. So now that they're going social media, now they're trying to encourage people to go ahead and... and, and uh, participate in this campaign I, I think it's backfiring I, I don't think it's working at all the biggest tell Kartik that I can give on this in terms of what the situation is is that I contacted BN Sports this week to ask them for their opinion I, I said to them I was writing a story about BN Sports being in danger uh, losing the, the the number one cable subscriber uh, t- t- TV provider and satellite provider and please give me a comments please give me some of your feedback or your analysis about this so I can go ahead and report that I did not hear one word back, not even a phone call, not even an email, which is very rare. And to me, that tells me that they're worried, that they are panicking and they don't know what to say. And, and to me, if I'm being sports or if I'm a subscriber that, that uh, loves being sports and I want to watch La Liga, I, I think everyone needs to look for other options because right now it, it's, it's a disaster. Moving on to uh, rosier news, or at least uh, happier news, uh, NBC Sports has announced that they're going to have a Premier League Fan Fest in September, September 29th to be exact, in Washington, D.C. And this is going to be part of what they're calling their uh, Premier League Mornings Live. And it's going to be on the road across the United States. There will be other places that they're going to announce soon, but right now it's September 29th in Washington, D.C. It's going to be a fan festival very similar to what they had last year in New York City, where they're going to have the, the whole crew, so Rebecca Lowe, the two Robbies, Carl Martino, etc., on set, as well as Premier League mascots, special guests, and also uh, big giant uh, screens so you can watch your, your matches there. And uh, all of that's going to be um, televised live uh, across the, the, the United States. Um, and I think the matches that day, I think it's going to be West Ham against Man United, uh, as well as Chelsea Liverpool that day, so it's going to be a really great uh, atmosphere. Kartik, uh, to me, uh, to me, this is a fantastic idea. Is that you I mean you've got a a rabid fan base, um, but rather than just having that relationship through television, that you're going to go f- in major cities, going to have fan fest, and uh, really kind of get uh, I mean in the faces of soccer fans, and and probably I mean create even more loyalty and, and more brand awareness and attract more fans to to your product so to speak yeah and and i think and i think when you look at uh how nbc has kind of methodically built their premier league operation now taking the show on the road uh, is going to just get more people to gravitate and goodwill from soccer fans uh for nbc uh this is your Four? No, no, year three of the of the of the six year deal. So renewals coming up pretty soon, and I think um, one thing we learned last time, when for an hour or two it appeared like maybe NBC was going to lose the rights to uh, ESPN Fox combination, is that there is such a bond between NBC and the Premier League fans in this country that at that point had been developed in in a year and a half or two years uh, when that uh, that that that. Uh, that rights renewal came up. So um, this is just going to further cement that. Yeah, totally. And I can envision, I mean, Liga Mackey's fans being, I mean, crazy passionate fans. If uh, Univision did something similar and had uh, appearances, I mean, nationwide, massive fan bases, Major League Soccer too. I mean, in certain cities, I could see the fans coming out and uh, getting behind, I guess, Fox, I guess, their coverage, whoever it may be. But but it's a great, I mean, it's one thing to, to talk about it, 
it's another thing to do it. So it's really, um, yeah, and kudos to, to the Premier League. Actually, the Premier League is working with NBC Sports to do this across the country. So I'm looking forward to finding out uh, after September 29th where they'll be headed. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. And as soon as we know, we'll run the story at uh, worldsoccertalk.com and uh, I'm sure talk about it on this podcast. Kartik, uh, what's next in the news section? Yeah, so um, streaming TV services are now used by 5% of U.S. households uh, with Wi-Fi, which is just uh, uh, a growing number that uh, your next news item, Chris, will kind of explain uh, uh, that. Uh, There's a direct correlation between the uptick in streaming TV services and the downtick in uh, subscribers on cable systems for specific channels that cover sports. Yeah, some of those numbers are the, uh, and this is from July to August. So this is uh, TV subscribers um, that subscribe to these channels. ESPN lost 290,000 subscribers. NBCSN lost 224,000 subscribers. FS1 lost 147,000. And the biggest drop of all was ESPNU, who lost 632,000. So as those numbers of TV subscribers decrease and we're seeing streaming services increase, uh, you can see why ESPN is launching ESPN Plus and why Fox has well, Fox Soccer Match Pass. But you have to wonder if Fox will have maybe their own streaming product in the future or maybe they're working on something. Uh, NBC Sports Gold and you mean Bleacher Report Live, et cetera, et cetera. They're really kind of uh, building for the future. While currently and in the past, TV subscribers are, are going way down as people uh, cut the cord. Okay, let's move on to TV ratings, Kartik, and uh, some interesting numbers from this past week. So um, I'll lead with the, the biggest number from this past week, and that was Liverpool against Brighton on NBC on Saturday uh, in that uh, 12.30 to 2.30 time slot. And that was 831,000 viewers, a uh, pretty decent number there. Um, Arsenal West Ham had 537,000 viewers Newcastle Chelsea 535,000 viewers and then Man United against Spurs on Monday during office hours that one had 395,000 viewers which is pretty decent for a, a Monday 3pm uh, Eastern kickoff some of the other numbers uh, we had the Bundesliga opening weekend and uh, the two most high prof- profile games that weekend the opening game Bayern Munich against Hoffenheim on FS1 on Friday, had 97,000 viewers. And this is a similar story that we've talked about, I think, last probably last year, if the last 12 months, is that Bayern Munich, and, and actually really the Bundesliga, has such a difficult time breaking that 100,000 uh, viewer barrier. And here's an, another example. Opening game of the season, you would think there'd be huge anticipation for this. Yes, Hoffenheim doesn't have a huge fan base, but Bayern Munich obviously does. Uh, 97,000 viewers. Now, this past Sunday was the biggest game of the weekend, arguably, and that was uh, Borussia Dortmund against RB Leipzig on over-the-air Fox, the big Fox. And, of course, with uh, Pulisic and all the fanfare about this game on big Fox on a Sunday from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, which is a great uh, time slot, that had 395,000 viewers, which to me, Kartik, um, my opinion on this one is it, it, that's a pathetic number to have on over-the-air Fox you're having the same number of people that are watching Man United against Spurs uh, on a Monday, on a you mean during office hours on a cable channel, than you are over the air Fox, which you should you should be getting at least I mean minimum five hundred thousand viewers, uh, and even with Pulisic and even with Dortmund and even with RB Leipzig, three hundred ninety five thousand viewers is, is just not good enough. Yeah, uh, I, I I cannot explain. Uh, what Fox is doing with the Bundesliga. This is year four now, Chris. The numbers have have only gone up slightly. There's been a slight uptick, which I think is uh, related largely to Pulisic and maybe some other American players and um, and Marco Fabian and some of the Mexican players in the league. uh, You're looking at a number with two of the higher profile clubs in the league, okay, and with the best American player currently and with arguably the best American coach is an assistant coach for RB Leipzig. Let's not forget about Jesse Marsh. Uh, on a Sunday at noon, getting lower numbers than Premier League games that are on, on cable channels. I, and this is over the air. I, I, um, 
people feel like, and, and I, I, I'm just going to take a point of personal privilege here, Chris. A lot of people who listen to the show and, and follow me on Twitter feel like I'm unfairly harsh on the Bundesliga. And um, it's, it, you just can't make this stuff up. Their numbers, their, their lack of ability to, to, to leverage their position in the United States market, uh, the arrogance I've seen at times from people associated with the Bundesliga about uh, their, their relationship with the American audience and, and quite frankly, their dismissiveness of, of, of English football in the Premier League uh, has added – all adds up, and they're just not getting anywhere. Um, this number was stunning to me. I mean, I, I – I, all the other numbers you read, that they're, they're interesting, mm-hmm. uh, but this number was an absolute shock to me. 500,000 minimum, I agree. I thought maybe it would be 650 or 700, given um, the circumstances around this match, and it was the opening weekend. Um, so yeah, yeah there's not I, much more to say about it. Yeah, my, my, my prediction is going to be, once this contract is up in, uh, I think, 2020, is that the Bundesliga will be on I don't know, ESPN+, Plus, Bleacher Report Live, or DAZN, or... I don't know. Yeah, Gold TV. I don't, I don't know. It's just it, it seems to be that uh, it's not meant for television because, yeah. you know I mean, it, I mean, I, I partly blame Fox for this in terms of the, the lack of um, promotion and publicity. But there's there's bigger issues here, too. And um, for whatever reason, the Bundesliga doesn't seem willing to really be honest with themselves and, and really kind of do something to change this because it's not working. Let me say something. It's not just Fox, okay? It, it, it is the Bundesliga as well, and it is the attitude of some of the German clubs towards the American market. The German clubs other than Bayern Munich. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. Maybe this is a discussion for another day, but it's it's not all on Fox. Even though we like to beat up on Fox at times, a lot, uh, I think a majority of this comes from German football itself and some of the arrogance and misinterpretations going on yeah. over there. And, and and I think that the thing is, Kartik, is I think both you and I are big fans of the Bundesliga. Yeah. We, we love the, I mean, everything from the, the, the level of football, um, the, 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 the stadium atmospheres, I mean, the, the television coverage. It's set up to be a, a success. It's just that the way they're going about doing their business, similar to other leagues, is frustrating because, you know, I mean, they, they, they could be, they should be and could be doing more, but they're not. Um, and, and part of it, I mean, part of it is cultural. I mean, it's 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 definitely the the British culture is definitely uh, more in sync with the American culture, but but that's just part of it. It's a very small part of it. There's other things they could be doing that they're not. Karthik, let's move on to listener mail, mailbag. Uh, the first one up is from John Brewbaker, and I saved this one for you uh, from last week. I was going to ask it last week to Mark, but I thought you would be a better person to answer this one. He says, um, have TV rights been established for the upcoming CONCACAF Champions League tournament? I'm surprised that the MLS and its TV partners... Uh, as far as I can tell, don't put forth much effort to promote the the actual competition. I find that these are the most interesting games that MLS teams play since they provide a barometer for the quality of the league. For fans of international soccer, it can be hard to know why to care about some regular season games in Major League Soccer. The CONCACAF Champions League, on the other hand, feels much more meaningful, but you actually have to do a fair amount of research to follow it and know where to watch it, at least on English-speaking channels. Why is the CONCACAF Champions League not promoted more on TV, and do you guys imagine that if it, it will eventually be given much more attention? Do you think that Major League Soccer could attract more fans uh, off, for example, the, the Premier League by promoting the CONCACAF Champions League and its rivalries? Um, yeah, so this is a great question, and I will tell you, I've been told by uh, sources close to CONCACAF that they have no intention of allowing this what happened this past tournament to happen again, where uh, you're having to watch in, on Facebook Live or on uh, uh, select games on Univision. Uh, they want an English-language partner. Uh, they're apparently going to make it happen, at least for the knockout stages, hopefully for the, uh, for the earlier uh, part of the tournament as well, but... Uh, again, the proof will be in the pudding if it actually happens. But they, they do realize that um, last year was a missed opportunity, particularly with an MLS team coming so close to winning it uh, and, and uh, in Toronto FC. So uh, I, I would say they at least know and they agree with your, your uh, uh, critique, John, and they're looking to, to solve it for this tournament this year um, and, and get back on television, English language television. Next up is JP, and this is not JP Della Camera, by the way, but it's JP, one of our listeners. He says, towards the end of your discussion, Mark Donaldson laid out his vision of what the future of sports viewing or entertainment in general will look like in five years with everything available to purchase individually to create your own specialized package. 
while this may be good for an established sports fan, I could, it, it could create a downward spiral in fandom in the future. One of the most underrated aspects of someone becoming a fan is serendipity, a child coming across a game on TV and starting that love affair. Once everything becomes on demand via streaming, only the people who already know what they want to watch will take the time to lay out their options and find the correct stream. This model works for regular entertainment where browsing and binge watching is prevalent, but cannot see, I, I, I cannot see it working for live sports. Sure, you can watch a game you missed live, but at that point, the score is already not, uh, known and the highlights are available. This only works for someone who, once again, already knows they want to watch it, uh, but had a conflict, such as a job, etc., and made a point to avoid any media that might spoil the end result before they can watch it later. Not a great, a great way to gain new fans. And I agree with that, Kartik. I think um, I don't have any stories to tell anecdotally for myself, but I know, I'm sure, I mean, I, I've heard stories about soccer fans, whether it was in the 80s and flipping through the channels on a Saturday morning and coming across uh, Soccer Made in Germany on PBS with Toby Charles and going like, what the heck is this? And, and just getting hooked on it. And and a lot of those fans are, I mean, kind of been lifelong soccer fans ever since then. And I'm sure with the Premier League too, as far as back in the days of the 90s and going through the, the Sunshine Channel or some of the Fox Sports channels, flipping through at about midnight um, and coming across some of the uh, English Premier League highlight shows, which was the only English Premier League uh coverage on tv at the time i'm sure there were fans that were hooked on that or there were, whether it was indoor soccer or even today the world cup the world cup is the, the perfect uh gateway drug you mean flipping through and coming across it and falling in love with the sport or get, getting curious about uh, about it enough to continue watching it but uh, i think jp raises uh, some very good points there kartik yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I think uh, we, we see that people bond with the sport through different experiences, but mostly their experiences uh, that come from television more than any, any other driver in, right. in terms of people watching professional soccer. Yeah, which puts soccer at a disadvantage where most of the coverage now is going to streaming and going to on-demand. Well, not on-demand. It's going on to a kind of a behind a paywall versus I mean, whether it's golf or you know, American football or college football, and you're more likely to come across it that way on, on television. So, yeah, good points. Uh, the next up is uh, from Scott Yu. And Scott says, I have started listening to your podcast since this past World Cup and have become a quick fan of the pod. All last season, I was able to watch La Liga matches through being sports uh, on Sling TV on demand. This past weekend, when I tried to watch throughout Real Madrid, uh, game at 8 o'clock Eastern, I was only able to watch it on the live being sports channel. The same thing happened when I tried to watch the Bilbao game on Monday evening, two hours after the match had ended. I have tried to contact being sports and sling TV regarding the issue with no response. I was wondering if you had any knowledge regarding the ability to watch La Liga matches on demand through sling TV for this season. I really enjoy watching La Liga matches on weekends, but I am unable to watch most matches live. Any info you have on this topic would be much appreciated. Friend of the pod from Scott, Scott Yu. Um, good points here by Scott, because... Um, Personally speaking, I have Sling TV as well as Fubo TV. Sling TV, I don't use the on-demand that much other than something specific where it's like the kids want to watch a movie or I'm looking for something, one program. So I don't usually use the on-demand that much. It has the DVR, um, so that's an upgrade. I think you have to pay $5 a month extra. Uh, Scott, I would recommend that as uh, a way to guarantee that no matter what, you can just set the DVR and record that one game rather than to rely on on demand and hope that it appears there. Um, other than that, that's all I can share. That's all I know. But uh, perhaps, listeners, if you have any thoughts or feedback on this one or some tips, uh, let us know, and we can definitely uh, read those out on air. Last but not least, Kartik from Shell Walker. Hey, guys, I have a question. I have the ESPN Plus app, and I love it. So much soccer for five bucks a month. ESPN has done an amazing job with its Serie A production. Do you see them picking up any more leagues as being sports' U.S. coverage rights begin to evaporate? I would love to see them pick up League, uh, League 1. I have always felt as though the league has been treated as the black sheep of soccer coverage in these states. Uh, with ESPN's production and analysis shows... 
uh, it shows that the league could build more of a foothold here in the States. Kartik, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely happening. Uh, I think we're in, in, in a mold where ESPN Plus is consolidating uh, a lot of packages. ESPN's comeback uh, in uh, European club football is, is one of the great stories of the last few years in, in soccer media, right? Um, completely out of the business, seemingly, uh, uh, just a few years ago. Uh, they're back, and they're also going to have uh, the UEFA Nations League. They also have UEFA Euro 2020. So uh, they're becoming, again, the go-to place uh, on their various platforms. Uh, I think La Liga ends up somewhere else. I think La Liga uh, might end up on Turner and might be actually on television. Or, or if it's on ESPN, it's, it's, it's a lot of um, TV for ESPN. Maybe Fox gets it. Uh, but the other leagues like Liga, I can see on ESPN Plus. I can see the Turkish League on ESPN Plus, and uh, BN's rights just gradually uh, disappearing if the network doesn't disappear entirely its, uh, in its own on its own. Yeah, plus there's the uh, DAZN and uh, Bleacher Report Live, <clears throat> so there'll be there'll be some competition there for some of those rights if BN Sports does go out of business. Again, we don't know what's happening with BN Sports; they're not responding. Uh, but I'm sure it's uh, panic situations there, and it doesn't look good at this moment in time in terms of the, their future. Now, if you have any questions for us or any feedback, uh, you have some tips or you want some advice, you can always reach us through email at web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always uh, post comments on worldsoccertalk.com, and we'll be glad to read those out on air. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, and worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. And Kartik, coming into this weekend, we've uh, got plenty of league on. You've got uh, Major League Soccer. Uh, actually, this, I think this is the last week, actually, Kartik, before we go into the international break with the UEFA Nations League. And we're actually with the UEFA Nations League, every single game is going to be on ESPN, either ESPN uh, Plus or the TV channel. So there's going to be a ton of coverage coming up. But uh, going into this weekend, Kartik, with all the options available to them, what should they do? Enjoy your football. Yeah.